Welcome to Self-Styled Life, the podcast designed to support professional women to aim high in their careers and create lives that are way beyond just fine. I'm Janelle Wiesack, a certified life and style coach. I also happen to have 30 years experience and counting in the corporate world. I've learned a thing or two over the years and today I support my clients to create tailor-made self-styled lives which they do using my signature framework that intentionally combines clarity, mindset and action. In these episodes I'll be sharing the concepts, tools and techniques to help you get clear and confident about the career and life you want, dance with your self-doubt and take the next step towards your dreams and goals. These same approaches have supported my clients to create incredible change in their lives My clients have tapped into their strengths, built their self-belief, and learned to live life their way. And now, it's your turn. You deserve more than a life that's fine. You deserve true fulfillment and days that feel fabulous. You deserve your very own self-styled life. Hello, hello, fabulous humans, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Styled Life podcast with me, your host, Janelle Wiesack. Whether you're a new or a regular listener, I am so glad you're here. It's such a joy to be able to speak with you about self-styling careers and lives that we love. And if you do regularly enjoy the show, it would mean so much to me if you could please hit the follow or subscribe button, whatever button your favourite podcast player gives you to let you know that I've dropped a new episode. And if you could take a moment to leave a five-star review, that would be just next level and would help so many others out there join this community. Thanks so much in advance for your help with this. Now, on to today's episode. Today, or tonight... As I'm recording this, I'm all excited because I'm doing one of my favourite episodes. I'm kind of sort of getting to answer a listener question, or perhaps a question that many listeners have. You see, the week that I'm recording this, this coming week, I've been asked to present to a group of emerging leaders in corporate about how to deal with imposter syndrome. And as I was prepping for the episode, I realised that I should also share the same info here on the podcast where it can help so many more humans. So here we are. I've decided to jump on super quick and super late as it happens to basically record all of the info that I'll be sharing with those special humans in a few days. So what am I covering today? Well, I want to take you through four key things. Number one, what exactly is imposter syndrome? Number two, what you could be experiencing instead of imposter syndrome. Number three, how and why imposter syndrome holds us back. And number four, the tools and tactics, of course, that you can use to help overcome your imposter syndrome. The session I've been prepping for goes for an hour, so there's a fair bit here to share. This may not be one of our short, sharp coaching episodes, but let's see how we go and let's dive straight in. Alright, so number one, what exactly is imposter syndrome? I think everyone has an idea of what imposter syndrome is, or at least what it feels like for them. My colleagues and clients describe it similarly, and in a way that I'd summarise as, I'm a fraud, I'm not as good as everyone thinks I am, and I'm about to be found out at any moment. Therefore, I have to hustle and do everything perfectly to make sure that I don't get found out. And interestingly, their definition lines up nicely 
to the definition that two psychologists, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, came up with way back in 1978. They defined imposter syndrome as the experience of constantly feeling like a fraud, downplaying one's accomplishments and always being concerned about being exposed as incompetent or incapable. And shout out here to the book Own Your Greatness by Lisa and Richard Orb Austin for sharing both the research and the definition. Own Your Greatness is a really good resource if you're interested in the academic theory behind imposter syndrome. And of course, I'll share the details of that book in the show notes. Anyway, the psychologists Clance and Imes also came up with a model that they called the imposter cycle. And it highlighted four stages that the women they studied went through with imposter syndrome. The first was that the women, who were generally very smart, were worried that they weren't smart enough, and then they'd work hard to cover it up. They'd then do really well because they were smart and working hard, and then they'd get approval from some sort of senior, some sort of validation from a senior staff member or similar. But then after they'd got the validation they'd go back to worrying that they weren't great at all, that they'd fluked it or something, and then they'd go back to worrying and the cycle would begin again. Now, if you're smart, hardworking and a high-achieving woman who loves it when you get validation from outside sources like a boss or a mentor, you might recognise yourself in my description of the cycle. And it makes sense, right? Our current schooling system set us up for this. Work hard, get good grades, teacher and parents are happy with you. Little wonder that by the time we hit the workforce, we're in a pattern or cycle and feeling like an imposter or a fraud. It's also worth noting that the hustle slash do everything perfect bit is a classic protective behaviour. I talk about protective behaviours all of the time here on the podcast. Protective behaviours include things like perfectionism, procrastination and people-pleasing and our very sophisticated brains use these protective behaviours to shield us from the seven psychological risks which are, once again, disappointment, judgement, rejection, complexity, conflict, failure and success. And if I was having a guess, when our imposter syndrome is in full flight, we're most likely trying to protect ourselves from rejection, disappointment, judgement or failure or a special combo of all four. Now, if all of this is sounding too familiar, know that you are not alone. A Forbes article published on the 8th of March 2023 reported on a KPMG study that found that 75% of female executives, yep, you heard that right, 75% of female executives across all industries have experienced imposter syndrome in their careers. And while it's a far less scientific study, a quick poll on my Insta community suggests that of the humans who responded, 100% were either currently suffering from or had previously suffered from imposter syndrome. But what if all of my descriptions above aren't resonating with you? What could you be experiencing instead of imposter syndrome? I see this one most often in women who have been in new jobs for less than six months of time. And apologies if this sounds harsh, but the thing is, you actually don't know what you're doing yet. You're neither an imposter or a fraud, you're just learning and growing. And that's absolutely as it should be. You should feel a little out of your depth in a new role. 
And you should always be on a learning curve and out of your comfort zone in that situation. If you've taken a new job where you can do it all, it's not a new job. I always remind myself that discomfort equals growth. I even said to someone the other day, I feel super uncomfortable here. I must be experiencing some sort of next level growth. But the message is, don't confuse the discomfort of growth as imposter syndrome. While the feelings may be similar, the causes are really quite different. Okay, so let's move away from learning and growth and turn our minds back to our friend, the imposter syndrome. And you might actually be wondering why it's a problem. I mean, if all the hard work and perfectionism leads to huge output and achievements and people patting you on the back, then do we actually have a problem here? And the answer to that question, if you happen to be asking it, is a resounding yes. I see imposter syndrome manifesting as a problem for women in my world in two ways. The first one is really, really obvious. All of that extra work, stress and effort can book you a one-way ticket to Burnout Central. I won't speak about burnout specifically here, as it's well covered in previous episodes of the podcast and I'm sure will come up in future episodes as well. But it makes sense that both your body and your nervous system would be impacted by the fact that you're constantly on guard against being found out or caught out. The second manifestation of imposter syndrome as a problem is quite a bit more subtle. And that's because feeling like a fraud can keep us stuck and stop us from taking on new and interesting opportunities. Eventually, after a while of running to stay ahead of the problem, we start to believe the story in our head that we don't know what we're doing and that we're not good enough. We step out of the cycle I spoke about earlier, but not in an empowered way, but in a way that makes us shrink. We settle into where we are. We stop aspiring or applying to where we want to go. And this has an element of burnout to it for some women. Their nervous systems are just too exhausted to stay in the cycle. But whether it's burnout or just a desire to make the feelings of inadequacy go away, so many women leave their potential on the table and hold themselves back thanks to imposter syndrome. Okay, so now that we know what imposter syndrome is and why it can cause us issues, it's time to start looking at the things you can do to break the cycle and get off the hamster wheel that imposter syndrome creates. And let's start with something that I've talked about on the podcast previously, and that's the concept of stepping into your identity as a skilled human and fully owning your role. This is a big one, team. Like so many of us feel like we don't deserve to be where we are. But the good news is there are tools that you can use to bridge the identity gap and to lessen those fraudulent feelings. And the big one is to start gathering evidence that supports the positive story. You know, the story that tells you you have lots of education, experience, skills and knowledge. And that you can do so many things that support you to be where you are today. Our brains are wired to tell us the things we can't do. And that's important for keeping us safe. Like, it's helpful to know that you can't fly if you're thinking about jumping out of a plane without a parachute. But in day-to-day life, Our brains conveniently skim over all of the things that we can do and the things that we can do well. So it's up to us to tease them out. Grab your journal if you're a writer or hit record on your phone if you're a talker and list out all of the things that you can do well. And don't limit yourself here to work stuff. 
if you can cook a mean roast or crochet like a boss or, I don't know, grow flowers or trees or garden really well, include that for sure. But don't downplay the work stuff either. None of us come out of the box just being able to do what we can do. And there's a better than average chance that if you're high achieving, that all that working and checking has actually built a really strong skill set. It's just that you aren't acknowledging it. Read or listen to your list of things that you can do really well regularly and really own the skills you've built. They aren't fake, they're in you and you'll never lose them. They've got you to where you are and they'll be the foundation on which you move forward. They're not fake or fraudulent and they're a fabulous indication that you can let go of your imposter syndrome. Alright, my second tip is another fan fave that I've spoken about on the podcast before. And this one is all about taking actions, baby steps or experiments to show yourself that you are actually deserving of the role that you have and that you aren't in fact an imposter or even a fraud. Some of those experiments might include submitting a piece of work before you think it's actually ready, asking questions or making comments in meetings that you'd normally sit quietly in just in case opening your mouth exposed you in some way or only working your allotted hours instead of overworking. One thing that worked really well for me was letting myself wing some meetings. I used to be your classic over-preparer. It was my way of ensuring that I wasn't found out to be lacking in some way. The first time I realised that my over-prepping wasn't really working for me was when I was doing a series of town hall-style meetings. These meetings were held in the evening, and after every meeting, I drive home in the middle of the night it'd be like 10 or 11 or sometimes even after midnight and there I'd be writing down every question we'd received and the correct and I'm using inverted commas there answer just in case the question came up again the file on my laptop was massive before it occurred to me that we'd not had the same question come up twice and that I'd never actually looked at the document in a meeting for an answer and yet I'd answered every question that had come up live, at least adequately, if not perfectly. But the real clincher that stopped my over-preparing in its tracks came for me while I was covering for my boss while he was on leave. I'd had to do a stack of meetings for him where the content was just really foreign for me. And I didn't have time to prepare like I normally would because I was effectively doing two jobs. I walked into every meeting with my heart in my throat, like my heart absolutely pounding, sure that my lack of subject matter knowledge, together with a complete lack of prep, would see me publicly failing over and over and over again. But here's the thing, I was actually absolutely fine. I knew enough about the business more generally to more than cover for him. And I remember talking about it with my coach at the time and having her ask me what I'd learned. It's a classic coaching question, just in case you're wondering. Well, I'd learned that I actually knew more than I thought I did, and that anything I didn't know, I knew how to find out. And while I think it's respectful for our colleagues, um, you know, we've got to respect their time, so we need to show up to meetings with some clue about what's going on. I've never fallen into the trap of over-prepping ever again. Okay, The final tool that I'd like to talk about today are affirmations. Affirmations can be really helpful when it comes to imposter syndrome. It's worth building out a set of reminders or sayings that really help you sidestep the perfectionism and own your identity. 
Some of my favourites include Sheryl Sandberg's classic Done Is Better Than Perfect, but I also like There Is No Hurry, My 80% Is Someone Else's 110, and That I'm Meant To Be At Every Table I Sit At. The I Am statements are especially powerful in my opinion. And remember too that the benefits of affirmations come when they sink into and start to rewire the long-held beliefs in your subconscious mind. And sometimes if we go too far with our affirmations, our conscious mind can get in the road by screaming, that's not true. If your mind can't get behind something as strong as, I fully believe in my ability to smash this job, try something like, every day I believe a little bit more in my ability to smash this job. Like I always say, baby steps, they never fail. Finally, and I think this is my second finally, but something just jumped into my mind when I thought about that 75% of female executives having felt imposter syndrome at some point in their career. Remember that most of us feel fraudulent at some point or another, and that's because we're all human. And know that all of us can bypass it if we choose to, and we take intentional action. It really is completely up to you, lovely, if you want to identify as an imposter and a fraud, or you don't. Okie dokie, fabulous humans. With that said, that's it for today's episode of the Self-Styled Life podcast. I really hope you've taken something away from today's chat that you can implement into your world. Before I wrap it up, though, let me remind you of the key takeaways. Number one. Imposter syndrome can be defined as the experience of constantly feeling like a fraud, downplaying one's accomplishments and always being concerned about being exposed as incompetent or incapable. And that a KPMG study found that 75% of female executives across industries have experienced imposter syndrome at some point in their careers. Number two, don't confuse the discomfort of growth as imposter syndrome, especially if you're new in a role. While the feeling might be similar in your body, the causes of the feelings are quite different. Number three, imposter syndrome is a problem because it can lead to burnout, feeling stuck, limiting potential, or a special combo of all three. Number four, stepping into your identity and role, owning your skills and experience, experimenting with doing less and letting perfectionism go and using affirmations are some of the ways that you can start to overcome your imposter syndrome. Okay team, I'll be back really soon with another episode of the podcast. But until then, please, please, you know, to stay fabulous. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.